Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall-Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. Well, we are so honored today to have with us Dr. Brian Duke, who's the Interim Dean of the College of Education and Professional Studies at the University of Central Oklahoma, and also still teaching while doing his Dean duties. Dr. Duke, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. We are so excited to visit with you today about the teacher pipeline, something that you see up close in real life every day. Um, we First, we want to, you know, we we hear quite a bit about enrollment trends when it comes to our um, students considering going into education. And can you kind of describe where we are right now and how we got here? Well, if we take a look back about the past uh, 10 to 12 years, we see that we've declined about 40% in enrollment according to some statistics. Yes, it's uh, troubling. And within the past five to six years, um, specifically that decline has uh, been about 25 to 30 percent. Oh my gosh. And we haven't declined in the need for teachers. Not at, at all. all. Wow. Not at all. We so actually you... um, need more teachers, but um, but we also need a more prepared, uh, more trained teachers. And yes. so there's not just a teacher shortage, but um, there's a teacher quality shortage that we have to pay attention yeah. to. Yeah, you know, Dr. Duke, you and I have both been on the state's teacher shortage task force, and we've talked about this often that, you know, we kind of broaden the the rails, uh, if you say it that way, to help as a stopgap to get more teachers into our classrooms. But what we realized very quickly that it was having a direct impact on our student learning. And um, when you talk with students at the university level, what are some reasons why you're hearing they may not be going through the College of Ed or entering the profession of education? So um, for those who are not choosing a comprehensive preparation route that uh, involves the full study, uh, the full program at the undergraduate level in student teaching, it is because of money. It's because it is expensive to um, Mm -hmm. actually complete a preparation program to be trained. When you look at the background checks, when you look at uh, the certification test, when you look at all of the requirements that must be completed prior to graduation, prior to certification, and prior to entering a classroom, and then you think about that 16-week student teaching where most of our students, because of the demands, are not able to be employed or have Mm -hmm. to really cut down the hours of employment, uh, that's something that that some families are not able to do. Mm -hmm. So the lack of financial support um, during training is one. Um, The teacher salaries that are out there, uh, that's another. Um, When they look at the responsibilities, expectations of teachers to really solve all kinds of um, social problems in in a time of uh, great challenge with the pandemic, but also with the narrative that's been created Mm -hmm. about teachers and teaching. you know, so much is making this unattractive to young professionals who have so many opportunities in front right. of them. And how do you think that sort of the that public narrative in Oklahoma specifically affects college kiddos who are considering um, teaching versus another career? How do you think that sort of 
I don't know how to really articulate it, but that, that mm-hmm. attitude toward teaching, does that, how does that play a role? I think we see so many of our potential uh, teacher candidates who are university students who would like to complete a program. And if it's not been the financial, um, the lack of financial resources or looking at the pay in the profession, it's certainly the respect. It is that mm-hmm. narrative that's been created. And for many of them, um, they, they want to enter a profession that has purpose. We see that so many of our students really are wanting to make a difference in the world. And they want to start here in their communities. Uh, but they do not want to spend the money and the time and um, go into a profession where they feel disrespected, uh, underappreciated, and really, most recently, under attack, vilified, uh, made to be the enemy. Um, so, again, those have been some deterrents. Yeah. Which is, it's when you talk about, you know, you have students who want to go out and make the world a better place and make a difference. Good gravy. Can we please just let them, <laughs> you know, but there are a lot of, a lot of barriers where you understand why that might not be as attractive as it was 10 years ago, five years ago, even two years ago. Yeah. I, I totally love agree. your quote, profession that has purpose. Yes. Profound, profound. So talk about, we. I want to circle back a little bit about, um, you know, the state superintendent, Joy Hoffmeister, earmarked some federal relief dollars to actually pay student teachers across the board. Um, what, how did your students react? How is that affecting them? And is it making a difference? So, yes, it is making a difference. And I will say that, um, the day that we learned about this and could actually announce this to our students, uh, we had phone calls immediately. When the email went out, uh-huh. I mean, the phone started lighting up and most of them were saying, I can't believe this. Yeah. And although it wasn't um, a really large amount of money, you know, it was, they got yeah. the first half of this stipend, which was a little over $1,600. The sign of respect, one, went so far but yeah. that's that's sixteen hundred plus dollars also helped with certification tests, with gas money during student mm-hmm. teaching, with maybe um, buying some clothing that was appropriate for a school setting uh, mm-hmm. that they didn't have um, right. profession yeah. appropriate outfits. So so many uh, ways it made a difference. Student teaching is the only job I've heard of where you pay to work. Yeah, but every other job you actually get paid. for the. Yeah, you're pay- Carrie and I uh, talk about this a lot. You're paying. You're paying. You're paying for the class to student teach, <laughs> and then you're doing it. You know, that's part of your requirement is to do that. I, I think back to myself when, ooh, thirty years ago, and I I was going back to school, working full time, taking classes, and I I had to quit my job in order yeah. to finish up and do my student teaching, and 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 unfortunately had to take out student loans. To be able to survive and do that. It's definitely challenging for our students. And, uh, you know, we've tried to find ways to provide additional supports here at the university. We have really generous donors at UCO who um, help with some scholarships and um, that's great. Try to alleviate some of those tuition and fee costs, which which we have to put in place because we provide really strong support as they're 
working um, toward the PPAT now as they right. complete during student teaching or the guidance that uh, the university is able to provide while they're to, to ensure that they're meeting the standards of the profession as they are um, going through that 16 week period, but then also making sure that the support as we see gaps uh, is there so that we are launching them into the profession successfully. So, so for folks who might not be educators, what is it about student teaching that is so critical? Well, this is where everything comes together. Yeah. Uh, you know, during uh, the college coursework, which is about a year and a half when you think about it, our students mm -hmm. are admitted into a teacher ed program, end of sophomore year, beginning of junior year. And then that last semester, they're student teaching. So mm -hmm. we have about a year and a half or three semesters to provide the knowledge, to model practices, to provide feedback, um, not only during our classes, but in guided um, clinical experiences that take place prior to student teaching. So mm -hmm. many may not know, but most programs require, uh, it's a minimum of 60 hours, but most require well beyond that before they're ever out um, in that student teaching. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when, when they get to student teaching, this is the time it's real. This is the mm -hmm. time on my feet in front of a real live audience. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm expected to actually... <laughs> facilitate um, motivation and to try to make sure that I'm facilitating instruction and able to um, see where gaps exist in their learning or other developmental needs and then to address those. And so having that on-site experience um, and the resources of the mentor teacher who serves as a co-teacher yep. and the administrators mm -hmm. at the building, just just being um, in that community allows them to start to make connections with what all resources are necessary to actually teach and support the healthy development of a child. And, and the mentorship that the, at the university level as well, um, when they're going through that student teaching, the mentorship that they have um, to help them try net to navigate that. And so, yeah, so much is needed. And, um, you know, you guys have been doing such a great innovative uh, partnerships with uh, and outside of just the university sale setting. Tell us, tell us what all you've been doing there. So we've really been um, proactive um, with the partners in the community. And I'll, uh, I, I want to mention that we really try to work with all areas. And that is not only the urban area, but suburban and, and rural. And um, we, for the past 10, 11 years, we've had a partnership with Oklahoma City Public Schools, and in particular, the foundation for Oklahoma City Public Schools, where we have very generous support um, that, that helps us with our Urban Teacher Preparation Academy, as well as two other pipeline initiatives, um, our Diversity Pipeline Project and our Bilingual Teacher Pipeline Project. And right now, in those two latter pipelines, we have 64 candidates, um, 30 plus who yes. have finished associate's degrees with our partnering community college uh, colleges. Um, mm -hmm. We work with all of those community colleges in the metro area, but really this is to get them a comprehensive preparation. Many of these are individuals who are paraprofessionals in schools, um, but through this partnership, the foundation pays tuition, fees, books, transportation. Um, these 
costs that would make a bachelor's degree in teacher certification impossible for many of them. Right. And yet they tend to be um, the most dedicated and the most reliable with teacher retention and staying within the district. Well, so, can I can I interject? And absolutely. poor Catherine knows exactly what I'm going to say because I feel so strongly about this program. Um, my uh, first grader this year, last year in kindergarten, she had uh, one of your first two graduates. Um, Alexis Lopez was her teacher and had just a phenomenal teacher who, bless her heart, is starting out in the first year of her teaching career is during the pandemic. And she was, she's a phenomenal teacher, just phenomenal. And so I have a, I have a very special place in my heart for this program. I think it's such a great idea. I would love to see more of things like this, where you really grow your own and make that accessible to people. And, and it's not like a fast track. This is a the full comprehensive yeah. Yeah. going through the college of education, going through and getting everything you need to be a highly effective teacher. Absolutely. And uh, Alexis is just amazing. And um, we uh, are so proud of her and the work she's doing, but it is, it's, this is comprehensive preparation um, mm -hmm. rather than a fast track, because we know that those who are um, prepared comprehensively are more likely to stay in the profession longer. Our retention rates, for example, um, in, a, in a recent review of, of the program with the program evaluation, three-year retention rate was at 87% for those going oh, through the Urban Teacher Preparation Academy. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. It's amazing when you look at, you know, some of the alternative um, entry point or, or retention rates, which are typically 40s or 50% at best. Yeah. And then you look at comprehensive prep just in general without like this academy, and mm -hmm. it's usually around 68 to 70%. So something really special is happening, but it's, again, it's the partnership because we do not end our support at graduation and certification. They're in our academy the first three years of yeah. their teaching career, which oh. provides, again, that necessary network to navigate those early career challenges. And this, re this replaces what we had 10 plus years ago in our state, which is that teacher induction program, yeah. which was instrumental in keeping teachers. Um, yeah. it, it set them up for success in the profession and again, helped them uh, to succeed when they're still trying to, to find their way. We prepare people very well, um, but they are strong novices when they get out there that first year mm -hmm. and developing you know, to become an expert takes experience, but it has to be the right kind of experience with the right resources. Mm -hmm. You know, when we think about, um, when we think about the pipeline, the solutions you're describing, the solutions that are, are real are, there are, they are not silver bullets. The, the problem is complex. The solution has to be complex and it's not a, let's just do this bandaid this year and now we're done with it. It's, I mean, these are long-term investments in people that will then turn around and they make a long-term investment in their students. What Absolutely. about, what about, um, you know, I know that you guys have partnerships with other, other folks who do what you do across the state because it's not just, you know, it's not just one college over here doing something and another college over here doing something. You guys really are working across uh, schools to 
across universities to kind of solve these problems. Can you talk about um, your partnerships with other universities in the state and other colleges? Absolutely. I, I will say that that's really uh, something unique to Oklahoma. The relationship that we have amongst our 23 uh, universities, public and private, large and small, mm-hmm. located throughout the state who train teachers. Yeah. And we meet monthly. Um, we work to prop each other up. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't see ourselves as competitors. We see ourselves as collaborators in trying to recruit and retain uh, the best teacher workforce we can in this state. And so what we share ideas often. We, co- we collaborate um, on ways that we can go together to talk to legislators or to talk to state agency officials to um, see how we can use these resources. The solution to the teacher shortage and and making sure that we have the kinds of teachers we would want our own children or grandchildren to have um, is really systemic, systemic change. And for so many years, as we've been dismantled with ed reform policies and with Um, the narratives that go out there with all of this misinformation about teachers and teaching and and the lack of of respect that is demonstrated, um, we have to find a way to systemically take care of putting the pieces back together and then sustaining that effort um, Mm -hmm. by the right people being around the table. And we have those here locally um, to say, this is what we need to do to grow and support this workforce. Our kids' futures depend on that. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, let's I want to get on a horse and ride off into the sunset, Dr. Duke. I I, I have goosebumps. (laughs) Well, we appreciate your time, of course, today, but we appreciate that the work that you do and um and everybody in higher ed who is who is really, we know, working so hard to 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 get these teachers prepared and ready and and out the door. So we appreciate it very much. Well, I want to say I appreciate you too and OEA and all of our partners out there that, that again, um, the State Department of Ed and OEQA and others, um, certainly the other universities across the state working with this, um, the legislators um, who are out there who are trying to help us change this narrative and, and show value and appreciation to teachers. Uh, it's going to take us all um, and it's going to take us paying attention to the right things and learning how to um, silence the noise that is out there. Well, as a proud alumni of the University of Central Oklahoma and the (laughs) College of Education, Dr. Duke, thanks for being on with us again. Well, thank you, Catherine, and thank you, Carrie. To our Oklahoma educators, sometimes we feel like we're alone in education. We might be the only one teaching in our classroom, the only one driving the bus, the only secretary in the front office, the only coach on the court. This pandemic has made many of us feel more alone as we cut back on time with family and friends to protect ourselves and others. Sometimes we've had to teach our students from a distance. We can't high five or hug or have circle times in the mornings like we usually do. We can't play together or learn together or practice together, sometimes even eat together. Some people seek to make us feel even more isolated by pitting teachers against parents and administrators against communities. 
divisive political talking points make us feel worn out in a time when we're already tired. It's disappointing. It's demoralizing. But this is what I see in our public schools. Adults doing every single thing they can to give our children the best education possible. I've seen career educators mentoring new teachers who are starting their careers in the most chaotic time in memory. I've seen school employees of every stripe reassuring one another and offering support, including literal shoulders to cry on. Principals work as substitute teachers. Coaches drive bus routes. Teachers fill in for their sick colleagues to keep the school doors open. The virus will not divide us. Politics will not divide us. School is about teamwork. It always has been, and it always will be. So thank you. Thank you to all of the education employees who are still working in service of our children in spite of the conditions that overwhelm us all. You are not alone. Well, let's just take some time and catch up with Catherine. Uh, February 25th and 26th, we've been talking about this a lot. We are having our OEA annual organizing conference. And this is a time that our OEA members get together uh, and uh, learn about how I, this year we're going to be talking about how to reach out to our communities and bring our partners mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. and to build better together. That's what we're about. But the really fun thing, Carrie, is on Friday night, uh, oh, we are man. going to be having a lip sync battle. And this is just Friday night, the 25th. We just want it to be fun and where we can get together and socialize. Um, so if uh, grab a partner or you may just want to be uh, a single singer. I if don't you're know. the world's bravest person. <laughs> and um, <laughs> go on our website at okea.org slash better together and uh, <laughs> sign up for our lip sync battle. And, and the cool thing about our battle it is it, and we are competitive people, let me just tell you. It is um, no joke. We are going to be performing, but to determine the winner, we're also, it's kind of twofold. We're donating to our fund for children in public education. This is monies outside of our dues dollars that mm -hmm. we're able to help support political campaigns. And, uh, and so this is an opportunity that it's a fundraiser for us for that. Mm -hmm. And uh, that way we have a clear, a clear winner who raises the most money yeah. uh, to determine who the lip sync battle winner is. And uh, when we got to do this two years ago in 2020, it was amazing and a lot of fun. And so then, oh, do, yeah. you, do you know who is not going to sign up? Uh, I know who is, Carrie well, Abernal Jacobs. <laughs> yeah, I will not. I will not be signing up. Because that kind of stuff stresses me out. I can't even handle it. But you're going to do it. <laughs> I am. Oh, I you're am. so brave. Good uh, job. I, I, say, I say way to go. It's a <laughs> I know it's very top secret. It will only be revealed in the future. So we don't know. But like, yeah. I, I am glad people like me are grateful for people like you. Because <laughs> I would get up there and freeze and be a deer in the headlights and probably end up weeping. It would be it's like my nightmare. Yeah. It was my nightmare. I'm excited to see you do it. I'm excited. 
be scared, very scared <laughs> for that one. And then um, January 28th, our OEA awards, um, that is the final, uh, do, that's the due date to get in an award for OEA. Yes. You know, we have so many amazing members, outside community organizations mm-hmm. and activists. Uh, we have all types of ways at OEA that we want to highlight um, all the great work that's happening in our schools and communities. And so uh, please uh, log on to oka.org awards. Uh, there is a variety that, that you can choose from. There is somebody you know that uh, needs to have one of these awards. Yes. And so please do that. We educators are not so hot at tooting our own horn. Yeah. And if it just makes you um, as nervous as the idea of entering a lip sync contest <laughs> to nominate yourself, then yeah. at least go and nominate someone that you're proud of. Nominate yeah. someone you're grateful for because there are all kinds of awards in there. From human and civil rights to teachers teaching teachers teacher yes. students teaching students um academic freedom award it it the, it we have a wide range but it shows the wide range of what we do in public education yes. as well you can find all of those at okea.org/awards and i can i just say that i wish that this year there was like special pandemic categories for awards like best at wrangling kindergartners via yes. zoom <laughs> like most likely to be patient with your high school students when they forget to mute themselves or like something Um, like that. I just feel like that. The award that you made it through a meeting without saying you're on mute. mute. (laughs) No one would win it. (laughs) We we wouldn't be able to give it out. Uh, Well, so remember to go and do that. Well, we wanted to say thank you so much to Dr. Brian Duke of the University of Central Oklahoma for talking to us today. And I want to say thank you to Catherine for reading her letter to educators and support professionals across the state. And thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of the OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.